Hi there. Welcome back to our Sweetie Heels 2020 speaker interview series. All of our speakers have amazing stories to tell and are great resources for anyone who wants to innovate in healthcare 3D printing and bioprinting. And the intention behind these interviews is to decrease the distance between our speakers and the audience before 3D Heels 2020. And you can think of them as icebreakers for you by us. Today, we're fortunate to have Dr. Chao Sing Ho uh, from Singapore NAMIC. NAMIC is also known as National Additive Manufacturing Innovation Cluster. Um, he is the co-founder and managing director of NAMIC, and uh, we, we're also fortunate to have him as a speaker for Foodie Hills 2020 uh, Global Updates panel. Um, good to see you, Dr. Ho. Thanks, Jenny. I'm happy to be here. So uh, my understanding is that NAMIC is very much similar in, in many ways, but not exactly identical to American Makes, uh, which we also are fortunate to have as a panel speaker. Um, do you mind if just introduce us what NAMIC does? Mm -hmm. so, so we are, um, well, in, in some ways we're, we're, uh, we're like a facilitator and, and um, we are basically the branch uh, office um, funded out from the Prime Minister's Office, uh, which is the National Research Foundation. Um, the mission for us is really to um, um, drive value creation and capture um, by uh, industrial, industrializing the uh, 3D printing technology for all our key manufacturing and engineering sectors. So we do this uh, through a couple of ways. Uh, one is, of course, uh, I mentioned that we facilitate. Um, so through, uh, uh, you know, we, we uh, identify project pipelines uh, with industry partners and essentially find uh, relevant research performance that, that could perform the, the projects. And um, at the same time, um, for, for any uh, industry adoption to happen, uh, you need to do uh, not just projects, but you also need to uh, make sure that the industry is able to take it on uh, on their own at some point in time. So, so we essentially work very closely with um, the Economic Development Board of Singapore uh, to identify companies that are uh, in this space of um, Industry 4.0 or the next generation of um, industrialization technology. Um, and to create an ecosystem where you, you have uh, both uh, supply side uh, of the technology um, as well as to um, find um, some of the early adopters and, and which, which are adopting these technologies um, and progress them uh, you know, quickly through the, the, the initial learning curve. Um, so we do a lot of work uh, in, in, um, in terms of trying to seed um, uh, thought leadership and of course bring in uh, external thought leaders to, to help our local uh, community to understand what this technology is really all about and what it can really do. And of course, in, in most cases, the, the projects that we, we uh, uh, curate uh, is really also about uh, finding uh, the solutions uh, using this technology, as opposed to just uh, you know, pure technology play. It sounds like you play many roles from, uh, I guess, Incubate, incubator to accelerator to 
almost a connection to the government founding and economic policies. So many, many different roles. Um, but your background is electrical engineering. Yes. And how, how does that make a connection transition from, you know, engineering to now become this uh, really exciting initiative? What is that journey, the story yeah. behind it? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think um, all of us started with uh, some, uh, you know, some discipline, I would say. And, and uh, uh, yes, I did start my career. Um, in fact, I spent 10 years uh, in the semiconductor foundry industry. And actually, uh, to me, that, that's a, that was a very good uh, foundation um, mm -hmm. to, in some ways, prepare me for what, uh, you know, what I actually wanted to do. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, my, my, I consider myself more of as, as an engineer. And um, um, I think this is something that you sort of, uh, it sort of gradually uh, evolved. It's not like uh, I, I thought of myself as someone who could uh, cross over to other disciplines. Um, I think the, the, the industry exposure that I had uh, in my first 16 years of my career uh, really helped me um, because it, it basically uh, allowed me to um, I look at things in different different perspective, right? So ultimately, engineers are we are problem solvers. So um, you know the the technology is just an enabler. So you you basically pick it up as you as you go along. Mm -hmm. And uh, how I even came to, into this role um, was, in some ways, was a bit by accident. Uh, I would say, um, uh, as my last role in HP, um, I would say, give me a lot of the. Um, exposure um you know to look at both not just the engineering aspect but also the business aspects and i realized that the passion i have um uh you know that i want to embark on in my next stage of my career is really to to help uh society at large it might sound a bit cliche but it's uh it's to some extent quite true i mean since spent 16 years in the private sector um a lot of the focus is on yourself on your own success uh, but at some point, uh, I realized that's not what really, you know, what I really like to do. And I just feel that it's very important for me to to contribute what I what I know um, mm -hmm. to to the society at large. Yeah, I mean, um, I went to I visited Singapore twice, uh, thanks to your invitation. And, you know, my impression is Singapore is really in a position to be the powerhouse of the next science and technology of Asia. Um, so it's, it's also funny that you, you said accidental. I mean, I did a couple of interviews to, uh, with the other uh, 3D Hills 2020 speakers, and many people mentioned the word accidental. Um, and I would say, you know, me personally, probably is also very accidental, but I feel fortunate that I am on this journey, uh, especially with individuals like you. Uh, this is a very exciting and fun accidental journey uh, that we've been on for many years, actually. Um, in your written interview that you did with us uh, a while back, you mentioned that there are a lot of challenges. And I believe those challenges are not, you know, there's no magic bullet to solve, which is how to, um, you know, create these collaborations between, you know, research to startups to bigger corporations so that they can work together, and plus the government, which you also are connected to. Any thoughts on solutions or hopes in that arena? Yeah, the um, I can I guess the um, well, the challenges right now um, uh, that Singapore is facing, it's I would say it's not really unique. Um, 
but at the same time, it's also quite unique in a certain way because we are we are a very small country and um, we don't have much resources. Um, and the country is still very young. Uh, if you compare us to some of the more you know developed countries like the U.S. Um, and of course uh, you know European countries as well, um, I think it was it is a you know a very clear um at least in my mind is very clear that uh you know singapore for us to be successful the next 50 years we have to undo some of the things that we are doing right now and uh, it's not so much to reinvent but really to position ourselves correctly so whatever has worked in the last 50 years is may, maybe it's still uh, gonna be okay if we continue on this route but it's not going to sustain us um, you know uh, in perpetuity. So as a result of that, um, in some ways we're going through this uh, you know, cycle of change, um, which is extremely painful actually. Uh, in some ways I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm in this role um, because uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually in some way buffeted by the, the changes that are sweeping across all the industries today. You look at the um, example like the manufacturing uh, sector in Singapore. We've been very successful in the last uh, 30, 40 years attracting multinationals to set up uh, satellite manufacturing hubs. Um, and we've been very good at doing, um, you know, like I would say following in some ways, we're very fast followers, we apply very well. But in terms of actual innovation and, um, you know, creating new technology and new business models, that's not really, uh, you know, traditionally what Singapore is, is known for. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, to some extent, you look at the metrics uh, that we, uh, sometimes measure ourselves against the world. Uh, it does look like Singapore is always among the top. Uh, as an example, you look at innovation um, uh, efficiency, right? In innovation efficiency to, to me is uh, basically the, uh, you know, how much private R&D is, uh, is there versus the public R&D dollars that the government has pumped in. And that number actually is not, uh, not good, okay? So we are uh, investing a lot of the taxpayers' money, but we're not, you know, in some ways, able to turn this into a more sustainable uh, R&D investments from the private community. And this is something is a mm -hmm. big cause of concern uh, from, of course, from the government perspective, because ultimately for you to become, uh, the, you know, the most, one of the most innovative economies in the world, in order to, to be relevant in this uh, next 50 years, you have to be innovative. Mm -hmm. um, so these are some of the things that we, um, we, we are facing uh, as a channel. Of course, there are many others, social, um, you know, the social part of it, the disparity in incomes. I think this is very, uh, you know, common as well. Um, not just other parts of the world, but in Singapore as well. So for me, I think the value add that we think we can bring, um, you know, to not to address every, every problem, but, you know, in terms of at least positioning our manufacturing sector, which I feel is, is uh, very important for us to keep, irrespective of the, um, uh, the costs, uh, uh, level that we, you know, in terms of competitiveness wise, we're not just, we're not competitive enough, you know, just based on cost. So in order to, to differentiate, you have to, you have to basically start innovating. And, and to do that, you got to create uh, infrastructure, um, which uh, allows uh, people to, you know, do their, their, the knowledge building, either to research. Uh, and more importantly, it's also to translate these research into um, real economic value at um, products and solutions. And that's something that I would consider, you know, we are, we are stepping through this journey. Uh, it's not a, I don't think we're, we're there yet. I would say we're, we are, you know, somewhere between. 
And uh, coming from the private sector, um, I would say to a certain level, we were able to uh, influence some, some segments of the government to think differently about how we used to be um, you know, doing public R&D um, as opposed to actually using R&D as a means to finance, just to create an economic value add. Mm -hmm. um, so that's uh, the, you know, I would say the gist of what, you know, the underlying mission that is uh, in some ways underpins our, uh, our, um, our approach in, in uh, technology translation. Mm -hmm. uh, now, in addition to innovation within Singapore, what is the hope or current existing connection to the world? Uh, you know, are, is Singapore or NAMIC providing extra resources for external talents to acquire them? to encourage companies to perhaps move to Singapore to continue to develop? I mean, do you guys have some kind of program for that? Yeah, I think the, I, mean, I would say Singapore as a whole has always been, um, you know, very open to, to talents, uh, overseas talents. Um, and uh, I don't think that will change. Uh, I think the, maybe if you read some of the, uh, you know, uh, news reports recently, there is some level of concern uh, from the electorate uh, on the number of immigrants that we have in Singapore. Um, yeah. But I think to be, to be very clear here is that uh, we're not discriminating against anyone. It's just that for us to be, um, you know, to be innovative, we want to be still continue to be relevant. We need to attract the best people, uh, foreign talent. Um, uh, so I think uh, moving away from, you know, the, the sort of the, um, relatively low cost uh, wage uh, earners and and moving more towards uh, you know people who can create um, you know innovate on product solutions who, who has generally a, a much much higher uh, qualifications in terms of the uh, you know postgraduate education and things like that and and for NAMIC itself we are constantly on the lookout to be very frank for uh, companies uh, we we don't just look for individuals because uh, we think companies uh, can jumpstart. Um, uh, this journey with us. Um, uh, I mean, I spent uh, actually, interestingly, I wasn't expecting this when I took on this role, but I do spend quite a bit of time uh, traveling uh, to, to engage with uh, some of our global uh, colleagues in, in the AM space, uh, just to understand what's happening. And then in, in most cases, we actually are on the lookout for uh, promising, very, very promising startups. Mm -hmm. uh, which are hungry to, to establish themselves in Asia. And our approach is to try to bring these companies in at a very early stage as opposed to when they're really established and mm -hmm. grow with them together. So, so we help them through whether it's funding or, or um, the network that we have. Um, and then uh, I think that's the long term, right? So once you're able to go through that process and they are anchored here, uh, the hope is that they, will not, they wouldn't just... After 15 years, once the tax incentives uh, runs out, they will just uh, pack their bags and go off to some other cheaper countries and offer them the mm -hmm. same. So Structural 3D will be one good example out of NAMIC, would it? As a, as a started with a seed and now has grown much. Yeah, I, I think well, yeah. I, I don't claim uh, credit for, uh, mm -hmm. to be frank, for any startups that are uh, doing well. But I would say, you know, like you mentioned Structo. Structo is a very interesting company uh, because they, in some ways, literally grew together with us. Um, I mean, they started maybe slightly earlier than than when we started in back in October 2015. And uh, you know, the CEO Hoop is a is an NUS grad. I was an NUS grad, 
So we, we hit off very well, even though we are both, uh, you know, different nationalities. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we literally saw them through the, the, you know, the early struggles. And in some ways we, you know, I would say, um, I was very glad that I could actually help them, you know, maybe not through uh, the conventional uh, schemes that we have through NAMIC because they, they you know, because they're a foreign owned uh, sort of company, even though it's incorporated in Singapore. So in some ways they couldn't qualify for some of the early incentives, but we were able to bring the government agencies like Enterprise Singapore, which used to be called Spring, um, to see the value of these uh, companies that are uh, started by foreigners, but they actually uh, have a very strong desire, right, to be in Singapore. Mm -hmm. um, so they actually, um, I mean, there's credit actually to the government agencies that they're very flexible. Uh, even though you go through the website, it looks like, you know, you not to fulfill all the checklists, but they are willing to engage and, and eventually even offer very concrete support uh, to these companies. Mm -hmm. So, and also to Structor's credit, they have uh, executed very well in the last uh, few years. Yeah, I agree. I'm very impressed uh, when I see what they're doing. And also in general, the dental 3D printing space, I, I think it's going to be the first to uh, get a home run in our uh, sector. Um, now, I know you shared with us some of your ambition and vision for the future of NAMIC, but I also know that, you know, Singapore is in the middle of a pandemic like every other country. And I know that you are, you suddenly are now uh, having so many more new tasks uh, against the pandemic. Uh, you have to take on some different roles. You want to share with us how you're dealing with this uh, new role? Yeah, we, we uh, you know, it's, uh, I think this is happening uh, everywhere around the world. And I, in some ways, we are, you know, very, very excited that uh, in some ways, this was a crisis. Uh, and, you know, not to say profit on any crisis, but we realized the, the work that all of us are doing, including yourself, um, you know, with, with 3D printing technology, um, this is the perfect fit for a situation where, you know, you see, uh, disruption in, in traditional supply chain models. Um, you know, uh, overnight, I think, uh, you know, Singapore being a small country, as, I'm, as, as I said, we don't produce a lot of stuff in Singapore. We import most of our stuff. I mean, food, um, goods, whatever, right? Consumers and whatnot. But suddenly you have this situation where you, you're short of, uh, you know, very critical um, supplies, right? Especially uh, for us to be able to uh, overcome this uh, pandemic, uh, we need to do mass testing, right? And but the problem is we don't have the have the supplies to do mass testing. So I would say in the last two uh, months or so, um, and it started also with the the lockdown that we're still in today. Um, we've started uh, several work streams um, in basically using three D printing technology to to create on demand uh, manufacturing um, to address some of the shortage that our medical community is facing. Um, it's not just the, uh, you know, the nasopharyngeal swaps or, or um, you know, uh, ventilator, ventilator components. We have, uh, you know, facial um, parts, whether it's the spec frames or, or certain parts of the, of the, uh, of the shields itself. Um, what we are seeing is that the, interestingly, the 3D printing companies is in, in Singapore is doing well. Um, and I think I was talking to Printer Press just uh, this week and they shared the same thing with me. They are they show me a very interesting chart that shows their revenue shooting up, you know, in the last few months, which I think in some ways is a, uh, it's great for them. And I'm very happy always to see startups doing well. 
But it also shows that I think um, sometimes with crisis, there is an opportunity that, that creates. And I think this is really um, the time for us to step up. And fortunately, I think we, you know, I would say the community is really also, you know, banding together. I don't see the traditional companies able to do what the global treaty community has done. I mean, I've been in some ways inundated with, um, um, you know, uh, requests from, from overseas organizations offering their designs, saying how we can collaborate together. I think this is something that is in some ways very unique because yeah. AM itself is a, is a digital technology. And, and I think people kind of lose that uh, in, in some ways, just thinking that it's 3D printing, right? But in, in, to me, it's about um, a technology that can be um, used in the, in the future uh, smart digital world. Um, you know, you don't have, no longer have to, to, to be bounded by the traditional ways of uh, centralizing manufacturing, uh, distributing the, the goods and all that. But you can actually do it anywhere and, and you can do it on demand. Yeah. Yeah, I think in a way, pandemic is forcing us to think outside of the box in every single step that we do in our daily life, in our work. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit of, a, you know, it, it's a crisis that, you know, basically force us to think differently. Um, most people, you know, daily life, you and I go to work, but now it's, it's like a oddball throwing at you and then you just have to catch it and, and go with it, go with the punch. So, yeah. but thank you very much uh, for sharing with us and thanks for this uh, interview. And I very much look forward to your presentation in a couple of weeks, uh, June 3D Heels 2020. Thank you, Dr. Ho. Thank you, Jenny.